Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs podcast. Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 113-101 to loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. I forgot to say it in the intro. That was very, um, that's me just not ironing out my rudimentary and basic principles. But I am your co-host, Will, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. Hey, you, we're both co-hosts, apparently. That's what you just said. So oh, We are both co-hosts. Um, I actually put it in my Twitter bio recently. I mean, obviously, like, I'm a host, and Jaren's just as much of a host as me. I don't – that was never a distinction that I was, like, trying to make on purpose. That was, <laughs> that's just how the intro kind of always flowed. Uh, but nonetheless, this is definitely a game where it – very similar to the Celtics game last Thursday. Uh, this was the Mavericks' 42nd game of the season. They now move to 23-19, and 19, a game where they were simply just essentially – uh, out personnel the yeah. Clippers plethora of wing depth and um, really steady rotations defensively in terms of how fast they were and how much they were able to hedge and recover on the Mavericks especially when doubling off Luka uh, definitely strangleholded the Mavericks offense uh, especially through the first three quarters in this game and you know as the Mavericks continue throughout this stretch without Josh Green, Maxi Kleber, and Dorian Finney-Smith uh, what a lot would argue are they're probably three best defenders. They obviously are going to continue to see some defensive struggles and woes on that end, especially against good opponents, especially in a game where Kawhi Leonard had to step up with Paul George, Paul George being out um, due to injury. Kawhi had to fill that void. And I kind of predicted, you know, after, you know, he's had a skittish start to this year coming back from injury. There are times where we see, the uh, the claw of old and there are times where Kawhi kind of looks like a shell of himself uh, but I def I predicted before the game that he was going to have a great outing and he ended up having uh, 33 points four steals nine for 12 from the field 12 for 12 from the free throw line and uh, nine rebounds in this one so he uh, he did a number on the Mavericks defense um, you know particularly at the point of attack the Mavericks obviously really just don't have any wings with Dorian out that are big enough to even get a hand up on his shots when he's able to get to his spots effectively. And, you know, that mid range area that he was operating within within was basically butter. The the Mavericks really had no counter for that. I I wasn't really necessarily mad at that, but when the Mavericks doubled him and they were just, there was a lot of times in this game where there almost seemed like a non-compliance from the rest of the team or just no effort to be able to, you know, rotate and recover defensively on a lot of these guys. And a lot of the Clippers role players were able to step up and attack in the paint. And uh, it was a, it was hard to see. It was a rough game and we will be getting all into it and the, uh, the intricacies of this uh, definitely where the map in a game where the Mavericks kind of just got outclassed out personnel, uh, basically kind of what you would predict, right? Yeah, we get yeah. all into it right here. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaron. So getting into it, in that first half, the Mavericks obviously struggled on both sides of the ball. They really had a tough time furbishing anything for themselves on offense outside of some, you know, late second quarter Doncic attacks where he started to get going just a little bit and he 
you know, there were some post-up possessions where he was able to make a few mid-range jump shots, but overall the process from him in the first half wasn't necessarily the best. And he was definitely getting pestered pretty heavily by the Clippers double teams. And um, I, what I noticed particularly in instances that he was getting doubled, the Mavericks didn't really have much off ball movement. There was no guys flashing to that short roll position. If there was, you know, any sort of uh, screen action going on uh, very seldomly, at least that that happened. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just, it seemed like it was almost like a lot of standing around around the perimeter and, you know, kind of just praying that Luke is able to get some miraculous pass over um, four hands of Clippers defenders who obviously are one of the more stout defensive teams in the league, just in terms of their length and their size and what have you. So uh, it kind of, I mean, obviously we know how amazing Luca is, but even that, of course, uh, going against a team that has that much defensive versatility on the wing, it's obviously going to be difficult and something that he has to kind of work through and adjust through. And it didn't really seem like the Mavericks were giving him too many outlets for help. And they were kind of just waiting around the the three-point line, uh, waiting to receive a pass. And, you know, once that first guy gets the pass and, and there's a slight late rotation, of course, things would be fine and dandy from, you know, there on out when they could kind of just pass the ball around the perimeter and, you know, and just get wide open threes. But uh, the process in, in doing so was definitely rough at times. And the Mavericks had quite a bit of turnovers in that first half, just trying to um, facilitate any sort of offense. Spencer Dinwiddie was not able to attack that well, in all honesty. I mean, he, you know, he just didn't really have, you know, he's, he's a guy who, obviously has the ability to get to the rim and get to his spots on a fairly consistent basis, but he's not a one, a star player who can do that amidst any sort of defense from the other side. Like if he's facing a good defensive team, he's a guy that's going to, he's not like Luca where he's just going to be able to put it by the wayside and, you know, effectively counter it throughout the whole game. You know, that might be something that would take him a game or two of going against a team like this and the Clippers. And we saw him kind of have a, more you know playing 40 minutes have a pretty passive 40 minutes where you know he he kind of seemed like reluctant to attack at times was just you know really trying to bait some foul calls kind of almost seemed inconfident in terms of his ability to get to the rim against some of these clippers defenders you know didn't you know kind of shied away from attacking at times thinking he was probably going to get blocked i mean smart i'd rather him you know do that than like turn the ball over you know get swatted continuously but just sort of the nature of him not being able to get to the rim as effectively as he usually does definitely limited the Mavericks offense. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was doing a good job just like simply shooting over people. He went six for 11 in this game, three for six from three. You know, he had a solid offensive game. He was honestly the only thing that kind of kept the Mavericks in the game in that first half. Yeah. Uh, just by virtue of him being able to hit shots over guys. And there were a few times where there were a couple of possessions where he was able to you know, split a double team and get to the rim or uh, get to like that mid-range area for a shot. But I mean, the the Clippers defense remained pretty stout upon him. Um, they, they weren't really, you know, giving him a ton of driving lanes or, uh, you know, free trips to operate within that mid-range area. A lot of his points were simply because he had a positive shooting game and, uh, you know, had a positive shooting regression game, of course, and hit a few threes over guys. Like, I mean, if he has a bad shooting game, then the Mavericks probably lose by 20 plus points. So, yeah, I mean, that he was kind of only the other thing, um, keeping the Mavericks around within that first half. 
Christian Wood was seemingly not as involved in the offense as he probably should have been, which we'll kind of get into a little bit later. So, I mean, those are kind of some of the Mavericks offensive woes and on defense, you know, we alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast, but just almost like a non-compliance or a non-effort on the Mavericks part in terms of, you know, making their correct rotations and being able to hedge and recover off Kawhi double teams. There were a lot of um, abject failures in terms of that. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like how much are we going to be shedding blame upon the Mavericks players themselves or like, were they the, the huge indictment there or do we, are we really going to look more towards the Mavericks being severely limited by injuries and them not having the personnel equipped to be able to deal with a Clippers team that is spearheaded by Kawhi Leonard with, you know, dynamic shooters and guys can attack off closeouts, you know, on the side, um, you know, the, it's probably pretty likely that you're going to choose the latter. You're probably going to say, yeah, like the Mavericks are just ill-equipped to be able to deal with that. You know, it is what it is. It sucks. Right. Like that's, that seems to be the consensus Mm -hmm. of a lot of these Mavericks games where they're playing against, you know, these teams that are in the upper echelon and, you know, there's just a complete like stark difference in terms of their depth versus the Mavericks depth. And we see that, you know, like I said, in that Celtics game last Thursday, we see that tonight versus the Clippers uh, where the Mavericks were simply just outclassed and, you know, out personnel to an extent. They didn't have the um, depth in terms of their defense, especially with Josh Green and Dorian and Maxi Kleber out. And they obviously don't have the depth within their offense. Um, and just from terms of a, you know, creation aspect uh, in a game where Dinwiddie wasn't being, you know, that one B uh, complimentary guy to Luca having the game of his life, not being, if he wasn't insanely aggressive or assertive uh, that, that was, there was a, obviously going to be a shelf life associated with that in terms of uh, the Mavericks window and opportunity to be able to have a chance at this game. So what did you see um, throughout this game that, you know, gave you the notion that the Mavericks simply just didn't have enough to, you know, be able to, stick around for long periods of time enough or uh, be able to really just hang around the Clippers and even have a puncher's chance at this game. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look, I guess, just perspectively at the offensive side of the ball, uh, the Mavericks, you know, they couldn't get in their offensive sets, whether that be uh, pick and roll. Um, I mean, really, whether it's with Dwight Powell or even Christian Wood, uh, I mean, the Mavericks just couldn't get pick and rolls running at all. Uh, I mean, it didn't help that Dwight Powell went down, pretty early in the game, but nonetheless, I mean, it, it was hard for the Mavericks to even find a, a, an identity on offense. Uh, when the Clippers finally did bring up, you know, double teams on the, the top of the key, uh, the bailout guy mainly being Reggie Bullock or Tim Hardaway. There's just Obvious only, so at times. you know, I mean, it had to be Dobbins at times. Uh, I mean, there's just only so many things that those players can do. And that's what happens whenever you surround a guy like Luka Doncic with so much, so many uh, one dimensional type players. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball with the Clippers, I mean, if if they were doing the same thing, you have, uh, I mean, I would trust Nick Batum, Terrence Mann, or uh, yeah, Ter- uh, Mann, um, Norman Powell. I mean, there's just so many guys across that board that you would trust so much more with the ball outside of, you know, Reggie Bullock just kind of heaving it up to Christian Wood in the paint. Um, I mean, of course, it comes down to personnel. This is what we've been preaching pretty much all season long whenever it comes down to the Mavericks. But I, it's just it didn't help that the Mavericks couldn't even get within their offensive notion and within their offensive DNA. 
Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the Mavericks definitely had a window of opportunity here. I thought with Christian Wood to at least be able to, you know, attempt to furbish some sort of uh, gap within the, you know, Clippers system within this game. You know, the Clippers don't have Serge Ibaka like they did a year or two ago. I mean, one of the really only, like one of the only true, you know, I guess not hallmarks, but downsides of the Clippers defense is that they don't have a guy who has the ability to, you know, defend a traditional back to the basket center or even a, a big that's going to go, um, you know, well, I mean, obviously Zubac, but I mean, even, you know, more so if you just have a guy who is, you know, Zubac is a solid defender um, and he's pretty stout and, you know, he obviously offers a lot of size at that position. So I may, I may have sort of, unfairly acquitted him as being you know incapable or whatever but um, nonetheless like I you know particularly in a game where he has where he's in foul trouble and um, you know isn't playing as much and also taking into consideration that he's a guy that can definitely get beat um, by a guy who's able to stretch the floor in a Christian Wood or just um, you know obviously operating in the pick and roll um, he's very like Valanchunas um, kind of Yaka Pirtle like even though Pirtle's definitely a better rim protector than both of those guys but in, just in the sense that he's the traditional drop coverage big he's going to sit back and attempt to protect the paint and if you um if you know if Luca is shooting well and he's able to get Zubach to hedge um and we obviously know Luca's history with manipulating Zubach on defense <laughs> I mean that that can lead that could honestly have led to a uh, quite the array of lobs from Luca to Christian Wood in this game, just based on uh, how quick-footed Christian Wood is versus you know Zubac not being the most laterally quick defender. Um, but the Mavericks, you know, and even um, you know when Zubac was on the floor, it didn't really seem like that was something that they favored to attack much. Uh, Zubac really only played though at the beginning of the first quarter and the beginning of third quarter due to being in foul troubles. He had th three fouls within the first quarter and then uh, picked up his fourth one shortly in the third quarter. So he just didn't see a lot of time. And this led for the Clippers to go to that lineup with, you know, I think Kawhi, you know, spearheading the whole thing with Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, and then, you know, one of Norm Powell, Rocco or John Wall, or, you know, some sort of combination of that. Right. And, you know, well, all of those guys, none of them are in all technicality guys that you would think of as the traditional, oh, you know, this is a guy that is the idealistic person to put on Christian Wood. You know, Christian Wood, you know, on paper is going to be able to body some of those guys uh, time and time again, right? Um, but in this game, it seemed like the Clippers did a really good job just in terms of their ball denial, uh, yeah. putting different looks on him, you know, switching from Batum to Morris to Mann. Uh, I mean, they, they they threw the kitchen sink in terms of trying to reject Christian Wood the ball, and the Mavericks did not do a good job of making it a concerted effort to distinguish and diagnose these mismatches and get Christian Wood the ball uh, in spots. Because, you know, obviously when you're having these more switchable, fast defenders, it's going to be a lot harder to run those pick and rolls with Doncic and Wood. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of times where Christian Wood was able to – slip screens amidst Luca getting doubled 
and Luca like simply couldn't pass it to him despite him being wide open in the paint or the pass was late just due to how you know solid those uh Clipper double teams are and, and there was essentially not really any other off-ball movement from the Mavericks and you know the Mavericks really just weren't able to get Christian with the ball in, in his in his, um you know those distinguished spots that you would hope like where he gets a guy sealed or you know he has a mismatch on the baseline or the elbow against a smaller defender um they just really weren't looking to go to that whatsoever i don't know if it was just out of the um how hectic and how you know good the clippers were able to scramble off rotations and you know hedge and recover and you know kind of be in your face 2 seconds later after just double teaming luka i don't know if it's because of that i don't know if it's Jason Kidd just opting that that for some reason wasn't the most optimal play style but nonetheless I think it could have served as a outlet of offense at least mildly you know I know that these Clippers guys in Batum and Marcus Morris aren't like a whole lot smaller than Christian Wood and you know they are stout wing defenders and they're and you know they're going to be able to at least hold their own to an extent against him but at the end of the day, like Christian Wood definitely could have stretched the floor on them, done some different yeah. things, could have shot over the top over them. And the Mavericks just did not seem like that was on the agenda for them tonight. No, I mean, for sure. We we definitely saw that pretty much from the start of the game. The Mavericks just kind of, uh, I don't want to say refused to get him involved in the game, but uh, it definitely seemed like they were more than willing to let Luca and Dwight Powell just kind of do the bulk of it. Uh, you know, in that lineup with Dwight Powell and Christian Wood, <clears throat> where Dwight Powell is the main screener, uh oftentimes and I know we didn't get to see it a whole lot due to Dwight Powell's injury in the early or in the first quarter um but even still I mean Christian Wood if you watch the or if you replay the whole entire first quarter he's still just standing in a corner uh and and you know to speak to the Clippers defense like yes that's technically on paper a mismatch uh, as you were alluding to but even still I mean whenever you have uh, a Nick Batum or just even players with link like it with length uh, it's not difficult to guard a guy like that um, whenever really the whole entire offense is just run through the pick and roll system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, Christian Wood just, I, I don't know if it was a lack of uh, coaching getting him involved or, uh, and I think it was more so that, uh, you know, you would hope that through four quarters that at least one of these, you'd hope to see him involved in it. And we just didn't really even get to see that throughout the game. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really think almost every Maverick defender had a rough go at it outside of yeah. uh, some Frank Nilekina possessions. And I mean, he was no, uh, he was no stranger to that. He, I mean, I don't think he had a, you know, outright horrendous defensive game, but you know, there were, he was not on the most favorable matchups. He ended up having to get switched on to Norm Powell, John Wall, you know, Kawhi at points. And I mean, He's a guy like like I said in the past that has the ability to guard down occasionally, uh, not as you know. Every once in a while, you'll see him stand, you know, hold his ground against a guard. But idealistically, he's a guy who can guard down on like the Marcus Morris's of the world or like a Nick Batum, you know, guys in that range who yes are you know smaller than him, maybe a little more quick footed, but it, it, he's not really at too much of a disadvantage. Can use his length to recover things of that nature, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. you know when he's getting matched up on the guards. Because, uh, I mean, the Mavericks defense was like so out of sorts, so uh, congested and mangled up like everybody. Uh, I mean, there were times it seemed as if like one Maverick defender on one given possession guarded like every single person on the Clippers just based on the amount of 
switching the Mavericks were doing and how, um, you know, ill-equipped they were to be able to handle the, uh, you know, the ball swinging around the perimeter for the Clippers. I mean, they just, uh, off those Kawhi double teams, the Mavericks were just all out of sorts. Guys were just running all over the place. And, um, I mean, the Mavericks were getting blown by a ton in this game. Uh, I'll pull up the points in the paint stats here, but I definitely feel like the Clippers had to have, you know. Definitely in that first quarter. Definitely yeah, first, you know, unless I'm absolutely missing something here. Like to me, you know, it felt like yeah, whenever the, the Mavericks, 40, the Clippers had 46 points in the paint to the Mavericks 32, which definitely um, that goes in line in terms of yeah. what the eye test was. I'll say um, no, for sure. Um, you know, to me, whenever the Mavericks did do the double teaming on Kawhi, it almost seemingly looked like it hurt them because the the Clippers just have so many weapons that they can dish out to in the case of a double team. Uh, that, I mean, ultimately, the Mavericks' philosophy on defense just ended up hurting themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, but, I mean, it's like you, you allude to the Mavericks' philosophy on defense hurting it themselves. I mean, just being as, as switch-heavy as they are. Um, they didn't go to any zone, which was kind of surprising. They always yeah. have a tendency to fall into some zone in games where they're, you know, not able to stop these – you know, anytime the Mavericks aren't able to stop inside penetration or outside shooting, they go to a zone to try and um, deviate the effects of that. But in a game where you have a guy in Kawhi who can just get to a spot in the mid range yeah. every time, I guess that's not really idealistic to play a zone. So I, I can I can see the process there as to why they didn't do that. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean they they just were ill equipped to be able to deal with anything. Like I mean I throw the same defensive scheme out there, but throw the Boston Celtics personnel out there. Like, I, I mean, I think they'll play a lot better defensively. It, it, it just really came down to that as much as anything for me. And um, yeah, I mean, like outside of, like I said, there was a couple possessions where I thought Frank was able to anchor down on Norman Powell a few times, uh, at least provide somewhat resistance uh, when he was switched on to some Clippers guy, you know, provide some sort of intensity. Um, I really think from Luka Doncic to Tim Hardaway Jr. to Spencer Dinwiddie to Christian Wood to Reggie Bullock um, to, I mean, who else played tonight? Davis Bertans, of course. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> that's, that's a given. Uh, you know, even JaVale when he was in, in limited minutes. Yeah. I thought that this was, without a doubt, probably the worst defensive game. like Or one of the worst defensive games I've seen all season. I mean, I get the Clippers only had 113 points, but... I mean, they they did, obviously, I think the Mavericks were some benefit, benefactors off the Clippers in that third and fourth quarter, missing some shots that they would probably regularly make. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I just not seen a more horrendous display just in, certain, in terms of, like, team-wide rotations. I think that that was, like, the most discernible thing that I was able to take from this that was more concerning than anything was that, you know, individual defense, one-on-one, head up against, like, a Kawhi or a Norm Powell. If the Mavericks personnel loses and gets beat, like, it is what it is, right? And obviously the personnel as a whole is not equipped to deal with this Clippers team in the Mavericks' current state uh, with all these injuries to their wing players. But, you know, like, when the rotations are just that out of sort time and time again, I mean, these guys are NBA athletes at the end of the day. Uh, they have to hone in on the philosophy and defensive scheme that their coaches instill for them. And – they simply like didn't even like look like they had a clue like where they were going sometimes. And I mean, I know a lot of it boils down to, you know, just simply getting beat and not being able to anchor down against some of these more talented offensive players for the Clippers. But 
you know, it, it definitely seemed like there were even some like mental slip ups that just seemed almost like inexcusable in this game. And that's like, I, I don't even want to talk further upon the defense uh, for like anybody individually. Um, I, like, I really think everybody played horrible. Like I, Luca got blown by real easily. Spencer was getting blown by. Tim was a saloon door. Uh, Christian Wood didn't have the best game. Davis was just a complete albatross. Like, I mean, literally yeah. like gives you nothing on defense. Yeah. I was like, there were, there were maybe like, one or I can count on one hand the amount of Reggie Bullock possessions where he provided a sort of semblance of resistance against Kawhi Leonard like when he was having to guard him obviously that's a tough guard but I mean even more so it just seemed like Reggie didn't even like like yes Kawhi's gonna make shit over you but I mean the fact that he's able to just seamlessly shoot over Reggie and get to all the spots so easily and it didn't even look like it was the dominant Kawhi that we've seen in the past like yes a good player but I mean it just seemed it was terrible yeah I mean like really the only bright spots on this team defensively, some Frank minutes. Uh, and surprisingly, you know, I felt like Jaden Hardy had a pretty good defensive game. Uh, I do know that he got blown by a few times. I do know that he had some late rotations here and there, but that, I mean, you know, for a guy that's only played what six games within the rotation or uh, not even within the rotation, like three games within the rotation, it, he's looked really sturdy on defense. Offensively. I know you'll, you want to get into that, but uh, defensively, he looked really honestly pretty sound. Uh, you know, he, he, it's, it's sort of like he's come out with a, a certain sort of, uh, I guess, intensity that no other bench player brings on defense. It, it seemed like uh, he has to prove a point to, you know, Jason Kidd, of course, because it's all about proving points. <laughs> um, and yeah. I mean, I definitely do think that uh, whatever minute he or whatever minutes he's going to be earning, he's definitely earned it through tonight's performance. No, I mean, like in terms of like, strictly defensively, I would definitely tend to agree with you there. There was obviously a lot of questions coming out, um, you know, as the draft was ensuing and things of that yeah. nature in regards to how good of a defender he could be. You know, there had been times where in the G League Ignite, uh, he seemingly kind of, you know, got lost on that side of the ball at times. And it was it seemed as more of like a compliance and an effort type deal. Um, but I mean, he's uh, he has the length and the tools to be a guy who's able to defend, you know, one through two pretty solidly. He's. He's got good length. He's about 6'4". Um, he's very laterally quick, and he's been, you know, those skills have been very, uh, very applicable in his time since he's actually got, like, you know, that real 15 to 20-minute role within the rotation the last two or three games. And, I, I mean, I, don't, I didn't think it was, like, too too much different tonight. You know, just team-wide, a lot of people were missing the rotations. But, once again, like, a solid job from him anchoring down when he gets those one-on-one matchups on guards. Um, it's not to the point where, you know, I'm ready to – flush everything that yeah. came out in pre-draft projections or call him a or label him an elite defender. Um, but I mean, he's definitely not a negative defender. He's definitely, uh, I would say an above average defender at the moment. And I hope that it continues to persist because, um, you know, like you said that I, I thought you brought up a great point regarding uh, that intensity and the whole proving a point complex to Jason Kidd, you know, in the same kind of way that it seemed like almost Christian Wood was doing with his defense. Yeah. It kind of seems like Jaden Hardy is making a, you know, an effort to do that as well. So it's been nice to uh, see his improvement on that side of the ball since he's been a Maverick and, you know, down with the Texas legends, of course, so that that's definitely um, a strong point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In regards to his offense, I kind of failed to mention him earlier, but definitely a rougher game, a lot of rookie mistakes. Um, he was very much pestered on possessions where, you know, he, he tried to push the ball in t- uh, transition a few times against the Clippers, but you know, I, he, I don't think he's had to really deal with a team of this much talent just yeah. in terms of their length, 
and their size defensively and their athleticism. He hasn't really had to go against a team of this nature. So, you know, a predictable, really kind of bad game where he shot one from one for six from the field. Uh, he had, I believe, like, uh, I want to say two turnovers. He had one turnover, but there was like a few, like, um, there was like two or three ones that could have been in the ballpark in terms of being, you know, a turnover or his fault where he had sort of like an errant pass, but there also were some positive possessions. Like he found Christian Wood off an attack off a closeout. Yeah. That was like a really savvy move. So you, we obviously talked glowingly about him in the last podcast. You can go listen to our last podcast on whatever listening platform you're on or on YouTube where, you know, it was all in on the Hardy party after his um, performance the other night versus the, um, how am I forgetting this? Was it, was it, uh, we're both forgetting this. Um, no, this is bad, Jaron. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to reconcile ourselves here. When the Mavericks played the Pelicans, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, the, the shorthanded Pelicans. Um, but, I mean, even this Clippers team is, you know, even more dynamic defensively um, than that Pelicans team and even, you know, has more size and athleticism. And, you know, luckily for the, you know, for Hardy, he's getting looks against a lot of different types of opponents. I think that's important. He's obviously going to have these games like today where he has a bad shooting game. The decision-making isn't necessarily there. He takes some kind of dumb shots at the rim that are like definitely ill-calculated in terms of uh, diagnosing how many people are at the basket and not really uh, and having that sort of complex of, oh, I can take on anybody. I'm not going to get blocked. Uh, and, you know, just kind of dribbling into guys at the point of attack or, you know, moving too fast in transition. Like there are going to be like mishaps like that. Uh, but the talent is undeniable, and where the Mavericks' uh, rotation is where it is in terms of the lack of talent surrounding Luka Doncic at the moment, uh, even if you're in the camp that Hardy uh, shouldn't play because he just simply doesn't affect this Mavericks team on a po- uh, positively on a consistent basis just due to him being a rookie, even if you're in that camp, I mean, the Mavericks are so slim in terms of their depth right now that I don't, I don't really think it's a – shadow of a doubt that regardless good game or bad game that he has enough talent to be able to play yep um you know obviously people can differentiate in terms of if you're more of the elk of oh you know i think hardy should play even if it does adversely affect the mavericks just from the standpoint that it's important for him to gain that experience and that nba run versus g league run you know i i think i teeter more in that direction than i do the oh you know the mavericks shouldn't play him right now because they're going to lose the game. If, you know, he doesn't get these 10 minutes in this game and Josh green, you know, Josh green plays him instead, they'll win. You know, I I think I definitely operate under the uh, mindset more of the former, but I can hear both sides of the argument, of course. So, you know, it's, it's just good because it's a situation where I think both things are applicable. I think that the Mavericks are so slim in terms of their depth right now that Hardy needs to be playing purely at a necessity. And, I mean, it's nice for him to get valuable NBA run and clock because, I mean, it's, it's truly invaluable how much more it means versus, you know, whatever minutes he's getting at the G League, however much he's tearing it up down at the G League. These uh, these NBA run that he's getting against some of the best of the best, that's uh, it's going to do leaps and bounds for his game as talented as he is. No, I mean, for sure. Um, I mean, he the bottom line, I think that he can contribute to a team, especially a team like this where, you know, they, they've had a lack of, uh, depth, especially with the injury you know, position, like like you know, like I kind of said, like he's not going to do that every night. Sometimes, no, 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 one every two or three nights. But one every two or three nights, you'll get a really good game from him. And then, then the other two, one or two nights, 
you know, he may kind of have uh, definitely a mundane or very, um, you know, mistake heavy performance, mm-hmm. but, you know, in those games that you are able to get those uh, really good games, you'll see like, okay, like the vision is worth it. Him yeah. playing this amount of minutes is worth it. So, I mean, if you really just can't bear to handle the bad games, then, I mean, more power to you. That's that's your opinion, of course. I, Like I said, I respect both sides of this, but I, I do think that there's credence to the fact that, you know, I, he needs to have a little bit of rope uh, to be able to operate with as he's, you know, learning for the first time against these really, you know, complex and uh, lengthy and athletic NBA defenses, just having to operate them on a consistent basis. He's only going to get better and more consistent as we keep going, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I just don't really think that there's too many layers to really unpeel from the apple in this one, Jaron. Um, that was <laughs> Cause apples peel, but yes. Um, <laughs> uh, there, yeah, there, there's only one layer surrounding the apple, isn't there? Uh, that, that's how this Mavericks team is. So. <laughs> oh yeah. They're very, it's, it's Luka Doncic. He's the whole core of the apple. And then uh, the very like thin outside is all the role players, I think. Is exactly. A, yeah, that's exactly it's, how it is. Guys, it is it is twelve. It was one forty eight a.m. and we're tapping into fruit analogies. So spare us your uh, spare us your your hate comments. I, we understand that this podcast is um, mediocre at best at this point in the night. So you know, especially, especially after a game like this, you have to you have to spare us a little bit of leniency because if you were in our position, you would realize game after game there is just not as much to talk about with this team. <laughs> Uh, as they continue to, as they continually play and lose the exact same way as they did the game before, like uh, that's it is what it is, guys. Um, but nonetheless, let's you know iron out some uh, you know closing thoughts here before we uh, you know segue with the end of the podcast here. Um, you know Reggie Bullock and D- Davis offensively in this game, I didn't think played. Well, whatsoever. Reggie Bullock went two for seven from the from the three point line. Hit a couple threes outside of that. Uh, just basically, it was it was Clankerton City. Uh, same with Davis. He just went over five on threes. He is becoming even more of an albatross uh, in terms of his contract, game after game, as he continually is, you know, not shooting threes well and not playing defense. Versus last year, he was at least shooting threes well. Very emblematic of the complaints that I think a lot of Wizards fans had with him when he was there. Um, I mean, both of those guys are two of the most like top expendable guys on the team. I mean, I don't even think that's arguable uh, yet. They are playing good and heavy minutes for the Mavericks in this rotation right now. We, um, we love the Mavericks rotation at this yes. point. Uh, we, you know, we, you talked a little bit and this is like a conversation that we have anytime we play a good team. Uh, uh, the uh, difference in terms of the one dimensionality of the other team's rotation versus the Mavericks. I mean, very clear tonight. You have a guy, uh, Norm Powell, that's a three-level scorer who's a really good defender, one through two. I mean, he, I think he kind of breaches the uh, the kind of wall of, uh, you know, just a regular rotation better, like, player. Like, yes, he is, but he's also, like, you know, sixth man of the year, uh, not maybe in consideration for that award, but he's of that echelon of, like level of player. So I, even if you want to remove him from the discussion, he had a great game tonight, Yeah, um, you know, being able to attack off closeouts, um, you know, operate within the mid range a little bit, even 
uh, get to some spots and drain his threes when the opportunity presented itself. He had a thunderous dunk that essentially ended Tim Hardaway Jr.'s career at one point. If Tim was to jump just a little more inside the lane, he would have absolutely demolished him. But Tim kind of veered off to the side. Uh, I can't really blame him. I mean, that was a he took off from pretty far. Um, but I mean, yeah, he had, he had a great game in this one off the bench for the Clippers. Um, you know, the only like really like one dimensional guy I'm really like eyeballing here in terms of the Clippers rotation in terms of guys that played off the bench. And keep in mind, Reggie Jackson, uh, DNPCD, Paul George was out with an injury. Uh, Luke Kennard was out with an injury. I don't know what Luke Kennard and Paul George's injuries were or what their timetable were, but I mean, we're not even going against this team at near its full strength. I mean, those are one of those guys, literally the second best player on the team. The other guys are the central role players. So keep that in mind. Uh, but you got a guy, Marcus Morris, who's a great mid-range post-up player. Has, actually has like a sort of versatility to him on offense outside of just shooting the ball uh, when he's open and like moves around and does things, right? Like that's that's interesting. That's provocative. We don't see that on this Mavericks team a lot. Uh, Nick Batum, I mean, he's a guy who can attack off a closeout and, you know, pull for a mid-range jump shot if need be. You know, he had a rougher shooting game in this one. Wasn't his best outing, but um, he can get to the rim at, with need be, you know, even at his age. Um, Marcus Morris, like I alluded to, obviously good shooter in that mid-range territory. Terrence Mann is definitely of the same ilk. He, he's a guy who can handle some playmaking uh, yeah. at times, you know, if he has to be run a pick and roll here and there. Um, if he has to be, you know, more of a facilitator, he obviously had to have a he- more of a heavy minutes dosage in this one with the injuries to the Clippers guys, but he stepped up to the task, played a really good game, was plus 24, 12 points, um, you know, a lot of which were, you know, getting to the rim or just wide open threes. Uh, I mean, the only other like one dimensional guy, kind of what I was saying was, is really Robert Covington, but um, he's a better one dimensional than Reggie Bullock is for one dimensional right now. I can tell you that much. Uh, I haven't looked too much into Rocco. I know he's kind of fallen off last year or two, but I mean, even so, like I'd take him over Reggie Bullock any day of the week. Yeah, uh, sure. John Wall, you know, bless his heart. He had a really rough shooting game, two for 11. It was, uh, it was, it was a, you know, obviously small sample size theater in this game with John Wall. You know, he seems a kind of game to game. He's either tapping into his vintage mode or, uh, he's, he's kind of stinking it up. So I don't want to take too much credence to this one, but his shot looked terrible. I mean, like every single one was a horrendous, like, you know, air ball or off the backboard miss. So I did feel bad for him from that perspective. And he was running really fast in transition, but he was like smoking yeah. some layups and stuff. So it was a really rough outing for him. So that's why I was saying, taking all this into consideration that the Clippers were shorthanded and the fact that they bared some, you know, bad games from a few of their guys and some negative re- shooting regression in that, uh, second half like that that's why I was calling it one of the worst defensive performances of the season because despite all that I mean they still won pretty comfortably um more than what the 12 point margin says and uh, they put up 113 versus the Mavericks I mean outside of that I I think that we've covered this game pretty holistically Um, you want to get into uh yes I was going to get into Luca okay Um, yeah yeah, like that's my parting thoughts of course um I you know Luca definitely had a rough go at it in that first half uh, he was getting heavily pestered by the Clippers, double teams and things of that nature. And it's it's crazy and eye-opening that we don't talk about him till the end of the podcast because the bad things that happened in this game from the Mavericks' perspective uh, just outweighed a 43 performance that is just seemingly so casually. We just get so used to it. It just shows how blessed we are. And I, I had to make a tweet about that um, amidst – because, you know, I knew that his game would be criminally under-talked about by everybody within Mavericks' Twitter and what – 
what have you. So I even I feel like we should have covered him more. But in a game where in the first half, uh, Luca essentially had no outlets to operate to, like there was nobody flashing in that short roll area and the nail much uh, in times that he would get doubled on pick and rolls. Guys were kind of just standing around waiting for the ball to come to them. And, uh, you know, admittedly, Luca did not have the best defensive effort in this game. He let a Kawhi blow past him a few times. It, it was it was kind of poor at, at points in this game. I There were some plays that um, definitely were not his brightest moments, um, but you could definitely see the toll of, you know, that ankle injury potentially catching up to him and just the burden that he's had to, you know, unload, un, really unravel and find within himself to uh, to be able to carry amidst the Mavericks stretch here where they've been, you know, severely hampered by injuries and he's just having to do seemingly everything. And in a game where Dinwiddie wasn't really able to uh, really come out as an assertive offensive player. I mean, Luca in that second half, you know, he made the effective counters and, you know, when the Clippers doubles were coming from the strong side, uh, Luca would drive hard to the weak side before the double was even coming. You know, he was reading it out from the start he was getting to that post-up position. He was being able to seal guys, um, you know, any because, you know, when all else fails, he's always able to go to that post-up. Even in a game where it seemed like it was a complete shot in the, do- shot in the dark that he could do any anything against, you know, this switch-heavy dynamic Clippers defense and nobody else was helping him from a Mavericks perspective. He was able to get to the free throw line at will in that second half, dominate within the post, uh, within the post after, you know, he was having more of a rough shooting game, uh, made some threes at the end to really kind of swing the uh to give the Mavericks a little bit of a puncher's chance and uh just affected the game as good as, as good as he could have up until that point especially in the second half yeah um when I didn't even know if he was going to be able to get to that uh you know to be able to score more than like 30 tonight the way the Clippers were playing defense on him but he somehow was able to make the, you know just the exact uh effective counter in terms of how the Clippers were defending him just based on an individual perspective. I mean, it's not like he was doing anything differently passing. He was just um, continually splitting double teams more effectively, uh, driving harder to the weak side, uh, getting exactly in his post-up positions, even if it was repetitive offense. And he, you know, he posts up three possessions in a row, he'd score or get fouled on every single one of them. And he's just so savvy, so smart in route to having 43 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, uh, two steals, I don't know how much points he had in the first half, but I want to say like a majority of those points came in the second half. I think he only had like 19 or something. Yeah, right? so, I mean, he definitely had more than half of those points in the second half for sure. Uh, you know, Jaron, harp on it as much as you want, whether you wish to make this, you know, a smaller segment or a bigger segment, because at the end of the day, he does this every night and we're continually amazed. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, how much more can we talk about him, you know, as glowingly as we do? Uh, but what what did you see from Luca in tonight's game uh, amidst a rough p- a performance from essentially everybody else on the Mavericks that, um, you know, that gave you, you know, a, a glimmer of hope there at the end that there was still a chance in the game, just having him, knowing what he's done, you know, in that Knicks game a couple of weeks ago. The fact that he was still able to put up 43 points in a game like this, um, where he just seemingly was uber efficient at the end, despite a rough start. Yeah, I mean, this one, it kind of just seemed like in the fourth quarter, Luke was putting out a statement that was like, hey, I mean, I can do it. So my team's automatically in it. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, Christian Wood didn't have a great game. Tim Hardaway in that second half didn't have a great game. Uh, Spencer just didn't have a great game in general. But 
outside of that, Luca had a great game. Um, I mean, he was single-handedly why the score was only a 12-point margin of victory at the end of the game. And, I mean, all power to him. He cut it to, like, eight points. And I'm saying he because he was quite literally the Mavericks in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, you know, when when does it become, you know, I guess, and this could go into the midseason pod, but when does it become just so obvious that this man needs help uh, outside of his one-dimensional teammates uh, that, I mean, you just have to give it to him. He's doing things like this night in and night out that, I mean, me and Will, we can only talk about it for five minutes because it just, it's just, it happens every night at this point. How much more can you cover? Um, you know, I'm blessed. <clears throat> I'm blessed to say that, like, uh, it's just become such a, a unusual sight to see him with 40 plus points. But at the end of the day, I mean, I hope that he doesn't have to continue this streak just to keep the Mavericks alive and keep them floating. Uh, I mean, they're currently with a 23 and 19 record, but <laughs> I think the majority of these wins are pretty contracted due to Luca's play. This is a, a case where, you know, if the Mavericks had won, it would have been another Luka Doncic win. No, yeah, 100%. I mean, he's doing these and, you know, amidst a Mavericks seven-game win streak that we obviously talked about. Like, he was doing all these against, you know, pretty weak opponents where he was barely able to hedge the Mavericks over the hump. And that's not an indictment upon him, but, you know, the Mavericks personnel and their role players and ability to step up. Um, the fact that he was, you know, barely just able to get them over the, uh, you know, above the mark in those sort of games against these you know, pretty weak opponents. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a conversation that we'll be having in this midseason pod that we're about to do. Uh, we're recording two podcasts for those of you guys listening at the end of this one. If you didn't know that um, we're actually going to be posting, um, you if you're listening to this in the morning, you'll hear both of them or whenever. Uh, but we're also posting in tandem tonight uh, with the this post-game pod for the Clippers. We're going to be doing a podcast for, technically, I guess the first 42 games of the season at this point, but the first half of the season for the Mavericks, just a bunch of, you know, things to look at in terms of how different players have fared so far versus what we thought we were going to get from them. Uh, you know, what the state of the team is, what we think the record will be going forward. You know, what are the moves to be made? Uh, what is, you know, the gaps on this roster, a ton of obviously, you know, provocative topics that, you know, you would probably cover in a podcast that you're doing about a team that is halfway through an NBA season. Yeah. Um, I mean, very whatever sort of customary things uh, you would predict are, are probably going to be in that podcast. Very overarching, very big picture, uh, you know, uh, big narratives that will be taken away. So, you know, not like our customary post game podcast, but you know, we we did this all off season, and you know, we, we're not just a post game podcast here over at Mainstream Mavs. We we have all Mavericks content, whether Mavericks make any moves or do anything of that nature. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Uh, we, we do a podcast. If there's any sort of thing that's um, provocative enough for us to talk about in terms of how it affects the Mavericks or even sometimes the NBA, then you'll catch us recording here, even if there's not a game. Uh, so uh, we appreciate you guys for listening this far on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We are available on almost all podcast platforms. Make sure to like and comment and subscribe to our YouTube page if you guys are listening on YouTube. Shout out to the YouTube gang. We are Mainstream Mavs on YouTube if you guys haven't uh, gone over there to watch our beautiful faces in person. As you can see, Jaren is sporting a delicious 19-year-old beard, and yeah. I have... 
uh, the backwards Dallas hat that almost everybody in this city uh, seems to wear as a trend. Um, I don't have. I, I feel relatively clean when I'm wearing this. So you should. You should. I, yeah, as I should, right? Um, despite my, um, you know, luscious blonde hair uh, being hidden underneath this tragic mask, I, I am. Um, I'm getting through it. Okay, so. You know, maybe for those of you guys that would love to see my hair, just 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 an off chance. If you if you watch the YouTube video, if you're watching YouTube right now, if you go to the midseason podcast and the Mavericks uh, podcast, I'll be posting in the morning for you guys listening. Then um, that will be, of course, over the Mavericks first 41 games of the season. I will be hatless. And oh. That is the proclamation of the century. <laughs> you got to stay tuned for that. But I will be hatless. So. Uh, uh, I, I for all of you guys that want to see the hair reveal, if you if this is the first podcast you're watching, I'll be hatless. Uh, with that being said, we will catch you guys. Um, if you're not listening to the other podcasts, so be it. I understand you may just be soaking in uh, despair after this Clippers loss and just don't want to listen to anything else. I get it. As we are, yes, as we are, we're we're, we're having to really uh, kick it into hyperdrive here to record at two a.m. But we love you guys, and this is what we do this for. Sorry. even for our audience of three people or however many of you guys are out there. So we will catch you guys in the next one, which is literally um, here probably in about an hour or two when we post this, uh, the, uh, you know, halfway through the season podcast. Um, but besides that, uh, we'll do that, of course. And then we will be back after that Thursday night versus the Lakers. Lakers. Very Chris. No, like, good job, Jaren. On TNT at 9 p.m. There you go. The The Mavericks are in the midst of their West Coast trip. So that basically means suicide for me and Jaron in terms of covering these games and <laughs> staying up and sacrificing sleep for you guys. For And guess what? School starts within a week. So, oh, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Anyways, this is, these are all the fine and dandy thoughts over here at Mainstream Mavs. We will catch you guys in the next one. Bye bye.